This is Abiding in the Storms, take two. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to share, again, a message that the Lord began to speak to me um, in 2017. And it's been so exciting to see as he has refreshed it and given me more information, more insight. I don't know how many of you love storms. I'm one of those crazy people that love storms if I'm in a safe place. I remember a tornado coming through the farm in Kansas and we were down in a root cellar. I can still remember that dense, um, sort of musty smell of being down underground and listening to the roar of the tornado as it went over us. Uh, this, this, uh, wind was so strong that it actually drove straw into the mortar in the barn. And we lost a cow. She ended up about a mile and a half away. Unfortunately, she had to be put down because um, she was completely out of it. But um, that was one of, one of the most significant storms in my life. I was also um, in Omaha in 1964 when they had a huge flood. And we were watching the water from our little creek, which was normally about two feet wide, become a 20-foot raging river. But what we had counted on was the water coming down the street, which actually took out our basement wall. But it was still a, a safe place. Our, our house was still stay safe. How many of you were here during Winter Storm Atlas? Uh, we had 30 inches of snow and lost power for a while, but we were still in a safe place and we could, uh, can, we had lots of candles and um, we could contact our neighbors and charge our cell phones in our car. So being in a safe place is an important thing for me if I'm in a storm. We have a, a balcony that overlooks the, the uh, valley and all the way out to the base and to the airport. And when a lightning storm comes through, I enjoy sitting on the deck, watching it from afar and just acknowledging the power that's in it. Psalm 29 says, the God of glory thunders. And all through scripture, it speaks about the lightnings of God. And so it's just a worship experience when I'm in a safe place. Water, our wallet hub did a study uh, of, and South Dakota tied with North Dakota, Mississippi, and Los, uh, um, Louisiana for the most financial losses per capita from natural causes between 1980 and two, uh, 2022. Think about it, even the hurricanes that came through, South Dakota is still tied for loss of homes, vehicles, uh, crops, livestock, because of the significant hail we've had, fires um, caused by light, natural causes by like lightning, um, and and the winter blizzards that we get. But we all experience storms of various kinds. But Jesus is with us in different ways in every storm. Matthew eighteen um, or eight eighteen says, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Jesus had a plan in the beginning to go to the other side of the lake. 
In verse 23, it says, when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him. Behold, a violent storm developed on the sea so that the boat was being covered by the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep in the bow of the boat. Jesus was showing them that there is a place of rest in the storms, trusting the plan of God, the power of God, the presence of God. The Gospels contrast Jesus' physical state of peace in the storm and the disciples' fear. All of the, the, the well, I think it's in just Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this um, story. But Jesus had a plan. I think you can see that, yep. Jesus had a plan to go to the other side. Um, and the disciples, when they got there, they forgot that the original plan was to um, go to the other side. So that's why Jesus wasn't worried. He was able to rest in the midst of it because he knew God's plan. In Isaiah 30, verse 15, the Lord says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. Imagine that he offers us quietness and confidence. But we, we choose sometimes not to um, accept that. And they didn't either. They said they went out on their own strength and fled um, on their horses. A few chapters later in Isaiah 32, after the Spirit had been poured out on high, Isaiah 32:16 says, the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. So what has God said about himself? He is good. Psalm um, 73, 1, Psalm 109, 21, and Luke 18, 20, 19. These are just a few scriptures that declare the goodness of God. He's with us, Genesis 28, 15, and Matthew 28, 20. And his plan is for our welfare and our good, Jeremiah 29, 11. You have to understand and remember who God is and what he has said. And in, so in some storms, we are to find rest and peace. Amid the turmoil, find his peace. In the midst of the storm, he didn't wait until the storm um, quieted the, and the waters and the wind stopped. He, in the midst of it, in the middle of the turmoil, find his peace, his peace that passes understanding. People sometimes don't understand that we can have peace in the middle of a, of a storm. But if we focus on him and on his word and on his promises and his character, his comfort, his presence with us, his strength, his refuge, they came to him and woke him and said, save us, Lord, we're perishing. That was their perspective. He didn't think that they were perishing. He was asleep in the boat. But he said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Sometimes it's not just what you say, but what you don't say. My father told me a story years ago about a ship's captain and the first mate. They'd pulled into a port for some supplies and 
uh, among those supplies was some rum and other um, alcoholic beverages. And the, sh the first mate um, imbibed a little bit um, overboard and was um, hung over the next day. And the captain wrote in his log, the first mate was hung over today. And the first mate pleaded with the captain, come on, this isn't fair, this is not like it's a regular thing. Um, but the, the captain was adamant, no, the record stands, you were hung over, and that's the truth, and so that's what we're gonna put in there. So a few weeks later, when it was the first mate's um, responsibility to write the log, he wrote in the log, the captain was sober today. <laughs> The captain again pleaded, well, that's not right. And he said, it's the truth. And so that's what's, what I'm, it's, that's what we're gonna say. There's all kinds of implications that, that to record that the captain was sober implies that that was noteworthy that he was sober that day. But nonetheless, it's what you, sometimes not what you say, but what you don't say. So when Jesus says, you men of little faith. He uses the word oligopistas, and um, it means little faith or um, underdeveloped faith. For those of you who like to look up things in the Strongs, it's Strongs number 3640. But little faith is lacking confidence and trust. It's underdeveloped faith, faith that needs to be worked to grow, just like muscles. We have them, but if we don't use them, they're not going to be developed. Jesus doesn't use the word apistus, meaning unbelief or distrust. He uses oligopistus, meaning small faith, because we all have been given a measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. I've heard it said that he rebuked the winds and the sea um, and calmed them because that was initially easier than calming the disciples. So Jesus used his authority over the elements in that, in that particular storm. Some storms are to rebu be rebuked and not accepted. So often we just say, well, que sera, sera, and we just accept things that the Lord wants us to stand and use his word, use his authority to rebuke that storm. Not only was the storm stopped, but the effects of it. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on um, Matthew, says, great storms of doubt, fear in the soul, and under the power of the spirit of bondage, sometimes end in a wonderful calm created and spoken by the spirit of adoption. It's not just the storm, it's the outcome that, of the storm that Jesus is looking for. We have that same authority as Jesus does, as he is in us by the Holy Spirit, and he has given us that authority. The scripture is full of, of um, declarations where he says, Behold, I'm giving you the authority over sicknesses, over disease, over all the power of the enemy. So sometimes we need to use our authority over the enemy. When I was diagnosed with cancer in 1988, initially I was overcome by fear. My grandmother had died um, of uh, cancer and I 
remembered that they she had gone in for just some mild pain and then they said it's so far gone there's nothing we can do and she died shortly after that so I was very concerned that that was going to be my outcome my daughters were both in junior high and I was concerned about John having to raise two teenage daughters um, by himself um, I was concerned about n not the actual death but the way that I could possibly die and a long, um, painful, drawn-out death. I had a, a vision um, as I was praying about this whole um, attack, this storm. And there, I was like in a narrow canyon, and there was sh just loose shale on the sides of this canyon. And behind me was this solid granite wall that just towered. It was probably 30 or 40 feet high. And in this narrow canyon, this huge boulder was coming down the canyon. And I began to go through a, 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 songs, a scripture in songs book and found a scripture to, um, or a song um, based on Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and they are safe. And the closer this boulder got, I realized that behind me, the granite had separated and there was a little chasm that as I backed into it became a cave big enough to for me to completely be surrounded in that cave and safe. That big boulder just kept coming and it crashed into the granite and just crumbled. And I walked out and I was delivered from the fear and had peace. When I went back to my doctor and he and I were talking to the surgeon, the surgeon kept looking at me and then talking to my um, specialist and saying, she doesn't understand the seriousness of this. And my um, doctor who was a Christian said, yes, she does. She's just come to peace with it. So it's an amazing thing that the power of God can bring us to a place of peace while we're still in the storm. But we have to use our authority. I had had to stand and rebuke that fear and declare that he was my rock, he was my refuge, he was my high tower, and he was my safety. Unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. But faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Is that, is that up there? Yep. But that was a, 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 a quote that I found by F.B. Meyer, which reminded me of a, another declaration that says, don't tell God how big your storm is. Face your storm and tell your storm how big your God is. We get drawn into all of the negative things that are going on around us. We start focusing on the wind and the waves. But when we turn and face that storm and re remember how big our God is, some storms we find rest in, some storms we're to use our authority to rebuke. In Matthew 14, 22, this is, I believe, just after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Same plan. They're going over to the other side. But this time, Jesus isn't in the boat with them. 
After he'd sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself when it was evening. He was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Sometimes situations in our life are contrary to what we hoped, what we desired, what we expected. And in the fourth watch of the night, which the fourth watch is between three o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning. How many of you have been awakened at three o'clock in the morning? So often, uh, it was about two or three years that he would wake me two or three minutes on a digital clock, either side of three o'clock, to, to um, stand um, on, the, on the wall to pray for others. And he would just tell me who to pray for, what to pray. But that's, that three to six shift is when the watchman sees the light of dawn. That's when light breaks in on the darkness. There's a song by Phillips Craig and Dean, Mercy Came A-Runnin'. And I love this idea that Jesus came a-runnin'. In, um, um, in Mark, the, it's the same information on the story, but he, Jesus, or, um, in Mark, and Mark 6.45, he says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him on the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away and he left for, for the mountain to pray. If you like reading through scripture, the whole um, book, it's kind of fun. Mark is like the sportscaster. He uses the word immediately a lot. And so immediately Jesus made the disciples get and go ahead of him to the other side. Then a few chapters later in Mark, uh, Mark 8, 47 and 48, Jesus was still by himself on the land. He could see his men struggling with the oars, the wind having come up against them. Now, I've been to the Sea of Galilee many times, and there's mountains up on um, the hill behind um, the, uh, the city of Tiberias. And you can, it would be sort of like being on Harney Peak and seeing all of Pactola and seeing a little boat out um, far out on the um, lake in the dark in a storm. But Jesus can, could see them. He can see us wherever we are. Even when, we're, when we think we're hiding, Jesus still sees us. He sees us struggling with our own resources. It says that, the, that they were struggling with the oars because of the con wind that was contrary. But we, he, we try to do it with our own resources which are always inadequate. We, we get into situations where we need to have the presence of God with us. And so he comes. It says he came to them walking on the sea. Now remember, this, the, uh, the sea is really choppy because of the wind. And so when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. That word fear is phobos, where we get the word phobia. It's timidity or shrinking back in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to the water, come to you on the water. And he said, 
come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. When God gives us a word, we can trust him and he will watch over it to perform it. So in some storms, God gives us a word that's going to be able to guide us through that storm. In 1991, we were stationed in England in the Air Force, and it was a, a time when we had to decide whether to stay in England or to return to the United States. In John's position, working for the general, it would have been a rubber stamp if we'd wanted to stay. But we felt we, we, we separated, we didn't talk about it, just asked the Lord what we were supposed to do. And the Lord spoke to both of us that it was time to go back to the States. And he gave us a word out of Exodus that he was going to get, bring us to a land um, of hills and valleys and rivers and streams. And the desire of our heart was to come to Ellsworth Air Force Base here in Rapid City. We're native Omahans and it would be close to home, but not so close that um, we would still be in lots of family drama, but we would be close enough that we could go home if we needed to and close enough to go home and visit on three day weekends. So we we let the um, um, powers that be know that we were choosing to go home to the United States. Well, our orders came down, hard copy orders, to go to Abilene, Texas. Now the topography of Abilene, Texas is like a tabletop and it's not hills and valleys and rivers and streams. And that's when the Lord just really confirmed to us, I told you, this is my plan for you, is to go um, to Ellsworth. That's when I met Sandra Copriva, was at an Air Force base in a, um, another part of England. And I was teaching on when God gives you a word to stand on that word. Afterwards, she came up to me and introduced herself and told me that she was from Leeds and they had copies um, of orders to come to, to Ellsworth. And she was giving me information to co contact her when we got there. And I said, um, I, I believe that we're going, and, and I also believe that God's going to connect us, but I'll take the information, but I believe that God will make that connection. So time's going by. Our packers were in our house finishing the packing. It was a Friday morning. We got um, a, a phone call, hold the, the crates. In other words, don't put all the boxes into the crates. There's been a change of orders. Don't ship them to Abilene. They're going to Ellsworth Air Force Base. Another time, actually it was, it was on that same trip when we uh, returned from England, we uh, had been praying about where to live. You know, the Lord says he sets us in neighborhoods. He sets us and establishes our boundaries. And so we always pray about where we're supposed to live because we want to be where God has put us, not just where it's convenient or where we want to, but where God has placed us. And rent was really high and we had had a, um, an opportunity to work with a realtor to help um, um, service members returning from overseas. And so we met with her and she gave us a um, list of 
of houses that were available as HUD repossessed homes. She said HUD was going to pay the closing costs and um, it's a real good deal. And John said, well, we already have a home in, uh, we already own a home in Idaho. I'm not interested in buying another home, but thanks for the information. Well, I took it. I looked and I said, it's only a few blocks from here. It's just around the corner. And when we pulled up into that driveway, even though the weeds were waist high and the wallpaper was hanging off the um, walls and the paint was peeling off the house, we just knew that this was our house. So we went back to the realtor and said, okay, so what do we need to do to get this house? And she was quite surprised by the turnaround, but she gave us a list of all the documents that we needed. And we said, well, that could be a problem because we have all those documents, but we have them in our household goods, which we can't take delivery on the household goods until we have a house. So we uh, went to the Air Force Base and got copies of John's financial reports. We went to the um, federal offices and got copies of our tax return forms from the year before, and we just redid the tax forms without my income. Then they said, oh, and you need a copy of your mortgage, your current mortgage. So we called the company. That was on a Friday morning. We needed these papers by Monday morning. And I called the company, I said, can you put that in an overnight? And they said, yes, but we can't guarantee that they'll even be there by Monday. I said, well, just do what you can. Um, and that's the last piece of paperwork that we're gonna need. And they arrived next morning, postmarked Tuesday. Still don't know how that happened, but somehow we got the paperwork. And when we showed up with all the forms and all the required papers, even our, our mortgage lender said, it was as if it was meant to be. But God gave us a word, and we were standing on that word. But going back to Mark, it says um, in verse 30, seeing the wind, oh wait, yeah, Peter became frightened. He took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the wind, looking at the waves, started analyzing this is impossible. This is physiologically or physically physically impossible for me to be walking on the water. And, he, and when he became, then he became frightened. So here's the sequence. He started, took his eyes off Jesus, put his eyes on the circumstances, became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, of little faith. He didn't say of no faith, or, can, or be critical, he said, why do you doubt oligopistus, underdeveloped faith? The test was over. Jesus was now in the boat with him, and the wind stopped. And when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you truly are God's son. Some storms we rest in, in his peace, in the middle of the storm. And some storms we use our authority to rebuke. And some storms he gives us a word to rise and to walk above in our circumstances. And some storms we become more aware of his presence with us. I remember uh, several 
circumstances where just the awe of God, his beauty, his majesty, his amazing provision that is above and beyond what we could ask or think. I have so many testimonies about the Ephesians 3.20 God who is above and beyond what we can imagine. He brings us through so he can show his glory and his majesty and help us to see how big he truly is. After we've gone through a storm with the Lord, we grow in that knowledge that there is a place of rest in the storm, that he has given us authority to rebuke, that his faithfulness to what he has a his faithfulness will watch over his word to perform it. It's not something that we need to do. It's something that he does when we trust him. And then the assurance of his presence with us. I want to pray with you now to to um, help you wherever you are in in a storm. If you haven't just come from um, one or if you're um, not in one, there'll be one coming. And I want to encourage you that there is a place of rest in the storm. And Father, I thank you for those that are watching this, that if they're in a storm and they can be aware of your presence and your peace in the midst of that storm, that even though the storm might not change, that there is a peace and a confident trust that they can have with you in the midst of it. And I thank you, Father, that you have given us authority over the enemy, um, that we can rebuke him and not tolerate or accept the threats or the things that he does that just are, are allowed to be able to strengthen our faith and find out how big you are. I thank you, Father, for those that you have given a word to quiet their hearts so that they can hear the word that you're speaking to them and then strengthen their faith, that oligopistus, that small faith that just needs to be worked to be able to become stronger because you will watch over your word to perform it. And then we thank you, Father God for your amazing love for us, your goodness to us, your power and your majesty, that you are with us in the boat. And when you are um, with us and we have come through the learning process, the wind and the waves will stop and we will worship you, the one true and living God.